songs of such um, hope, you know, uh, such solid songs about putting your trust not in what we are but in who God is and not what our circumstances are but what God is able to do. Uh, just really wonderful stuff. Uh, there's a, a beautiful prayer I'm going to pray that I, uh, it was sent to me and it's just a, a beautiful prayer someone wrote out. Jesus, I join you on your walk to Calvary because that's what we're doing, right? Jesus said, if they did this to me, they're going to do that to you. Now, are we all going to have that kind of a experience? No, but there's, he's saying there's difficulties and there's challenges and it says, let me see you in the shadows of my circumstance. Give me faith to trust your perfect plan and the grace to receive your mercies anew. Carry me, Jesus, through the difficulties and on into the life and light to come. Such a beautiful, simple prayer. So beautiful. And Father, this morning as we think about what has been sung here this morning, and we just take a moment, Lord, if you would wish to speak in any way uh, through a picture, through a scripture, through a word, we just open up our hearts and our minds this morning and uh, just give you that opportunity to speak. Just take a moment to listen and to just be here with you. just focus in with you, Lord. We just give you this time. Prepare our hearts. Mm. I just want to thank the people that have the guts to go outside of this building after Sunday and be a light mm the world that to to represent Jesus to people who don't know Jesus mm. because that is not easy to do mm. it's not easy I'm pretty gutless sometimes <laughs> when it comes to that I'll admit that that's my feeling mm. but I thank God for people who do because if without people like that 
there would be people in my life who have not come to Jesus. Yeah. Now, my nephew came to Jesus because somebody stepped out of the church and into the world and represented Jesus to that boy. Mm. He's not a boy anymore. He's nearly 30. But, (laughs) Mm. yeah. (laughs) You know, somebody had the guts to do that. And I'm thankful for people like that. I am thankful. I thank those of you who decide to step outside this church and be Jesus to the world. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Father, we do. We pray for those that, that one are called to it. We're all called to it, but some that are specifically called to it. And then for those of us that just desire to be that light, God, I pray you set up those divine appointments, those times we get into conversations and situations that are just sovereignly orchestrated by you for the purpose of speaking your truth. Give us your words and your love and compassion in those times. Prayer. It's funny, I was thinking how rarely we actually talk about prayer. And I know sometimes, you know, people think about prayer, and, and if you've been in church for a long period of time, it, it's, it's very easy to think, well, I got this down. I got the prayer thing down. We know what it means. We know we should be doing it. We know all those things. But sometimes it's just really good to look at prayer and um, also do prayer <laughs> in a different way than we've done it before. And, uh, and that's what I mainly want to talk about today. In Psalm 5, 1 to 3, talks about, it's a pretty common state of prayer, actually, for many people. Oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help my King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Um, I'm not going to try to do a course on prayer, but it's just that interesting thing. It says in the morning. Um, There is just something very powerful and necessary and focusing about the first thing you do in the morning is somehow focus and orientate yourself towards God. Whether it be through a devotional that you read every morning or some scripture reading or whatever it might be. But to have something that, okay, here's where we're starting from. Here's the starting point. And being reminded of who God is. Being reminded of who we are. Being reminded of what he can do in the promises. And then it says in the end, Uh, I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. And sometimes waiting expectantly gets tough. It can get get challenging. Uh, What can happen to us, and I know there's people in this situation where fear from the lack of an answer creeps in. Because if we don't get the answer immediately, long-haul prayer is tough. And I guess that's what I'm talking about today is long-haul prayer. I mean, as you know, We prayed for God to intervene when uh, we needed a new treasurer. There was 
really, uh, we were up against it because we didn't know which way to go with it. And we really didn't think we had a solution. We prayed on uh, a Monday, God, we just need something. And then on Wednesday, boom, we get the answer to it and uh, things have worked out and we, this person has come on and Liz is helping and Liz is the treasurer now, but a whole bunch of circumstances came together in two days. You love those ones. Uh, but when there's the long haul ones, it's a, different, it's a different thing that we need to be thinking and the way we approach our prayer about it. So fear can come in and it brings in all the thoughts and the dark scenarios that fear does. Um, and it's just being human. It's just being human in this world. And this happens when, you know, when we're waiting for test results. I know two or three people waiting for test results, serious test results. And a whole bunch of stuff can come in, dealing with long-term pain and struggle, a long-term struggle of some sort. And sometimes we can lose faith and expectation in that. Now, I, I, I know that some people, you know, would get all chintzy about that, that you could lose faith and expectation, that somehow we're not supposed to do that, and it would be ideal if we never did that. Wouldn't it be great if you just never did that? You never lost faith. You never lost your expectation. You were just booming right along. You know, and I know, that that is not always the case. That sometimes we are facing some real strongholds within ourselves, and spiritual strongholds that come and try to thwart our prayers and try to stop our prayers. And uh, it, it forms a type of fatigue almost when you're trying and praying and nothing's happening and, and stuff is going on and on and on and you keep on trying and then all the questions, why Lord? And then there's something wrong with me and then there's something wrong with the church and then there's something you'll find. We, we're trying to find something wrong that will explain why we're not getting what we need and what we want. Scripture is full of people being at that state. Psalm 13 and 1, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? Have you ever felt that God is looking the other way? Psalm 6 and 3, I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you rescue me? sick at heart and we can get in those places and one of the keys is that I think the church needs to be a place that helps people who get in that situation because it can happen especially if it's a long-haul situation Habakkuk 1 and 2 Habakkuk really laid it out how long O Lord must I call for help but you do not listen Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. And you know what's interesting is that they don't have a problem saying how they feel. I think sometimes uh, we put a religious guise over ourselves when we come to God. We put a religious guise about uh, what we think and how we think we should be presenting ourselves to God. Now, I understand there's balance in that. But I, will, I would go on this statement and say, before God wants your righteous religious response and behavior in front of him, I think he would rather have honesty. And when you don't have it, say, I don't have it. 
I can't come to you and quote the promises today and jump up and down and do it with honesty. I can't. But I want to bring you what I've got, Lord. I want to bring you what I do have. And here's what I have. I cry, but you do not come to say, that's what Habakkuk had. But he was smart enough to bring it to God. He didn't leave God and just curse God because he didn't come and save. He went to God and confronted God with what the situation was and how he saw it. Interesting thing to note that God gave Habakkuk an explanation uh, in Habakkuk 1, 5 to 6. The Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. So there was a divine purpose to the delay. And to uh, Habakkuk was watching all this happening and saying, what is going on? Well, in this case, thankfully, God came down and said to Habakkuk, okay, I'll let you know what's going on here. I'm raising up the Babylonians to come and judge Judah. And that's what's going on. That's what's happening here. And... As unfortunate as that was, uh, at least he had an answer. But he only had an answer because he prayed. He got the answer because he prayed. He could have just walked away in discouragement and said, God is mean and he's uh, unfeeling. He's not with us. And he could say a whole bunch of things. And he did to God. He did. He said it to God. But the beautiful thing is, is that he said it to God. And God says, okay, well, let me, let's talk about this. Let me, let me tell you what it is. What, let me show you what's going on here. But there's something powerful when I thought about prayer, and it's a point I want to get at. There's something very powerful about, yes, us praying in our prayer closets alone and really, you know, getting in there with God and doing that kind of stuff. But there's also something very powerful about gathering for prayer for a specific situation. There's something powerful about that. In Acts 12, uh, the night that Peter was released from prison and the angel came and brought him miraculously out, they were all praying at Mary's house. And how much that had to do with Peter getting out, I'm sure it had something to do with it um, because that's what they were praying about. But they were together praying about that. And in Acts 4, there was when Peter and, and uh, John and James were arrested, they, the Sanhedrin said to them, well, listen, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to leave here. We're going to give you a good whooping. And then we're telling you, don't say the name of Jesus anymore. <laughs> As if, right? And they went out and they were telling the disciples what had happened. And it said that the place was shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit because they were together praying. And of course, the great example of that is Pentecost in second chapter of Acts, where 120 people got together praying specifically together in one spirit. And of course, we received the outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit upon people, which caused the church to absolutely go crazy. And it went all through the, the known world. Within 300 years, 300 years 
Without any modern technology, it went through the whole known world. It's an amazing thing at that time. There's something very powerful about a, a group of people gathering uh, to believe for a specific thing. And I mentioned to you the mentoring uh, group that I'm with on Wednesdays. And I mentioned just briefly about Pastor Ray who leads it um, and his daughter's illness. And I just want to go through that again because it's, it's a living point that I think we need to look at to do something in our own situation. Now, Ray has a daughter who is married, has five children, and she was in and has been suffering with a severe critical physical situation in her life. Um, she has five kids, like I said, severe pain. She lost, she's five, eight, five, nine. She went down to below 100 pounds. And three weeks ago, she was in emergency in over a weekend three times. And they just said, because of COVID, we, c we know the surgery you need, we know what the situation is, but we can't do it because COVID is clogging everything up and we are only doing life and death situations. As if a woman coming into emergency three times in a weekend with such severe pain and struggle that she can't even take care of her, her children, that she's in and that's not an emergency, but that is the world we're living in. And we're gonna see more and more of that as the institutions that we trust in, I sound like such a prophet of doom, but honestly, the institutions that we have put our trust in are going to start crumbling. We're already seeing it happen. And as we get more and more in that situation, we better have something else to go to except emergency. Because emergency isn't going to be able to do anything as we're finding out in this situation. So, Ray gets together with God and says, what do we do? Like he really starts saying, God, we're in code red here. What do we do for our daughter? And the Lord gave him some information. He said, do soaking prayer, what he calls soaking prayer. Get your family together on Sunday. It's coming Sunday. So we got the family together and uh, the brothers and sisters and everybody together. And they did soaking prayer, which I'll explain later. But it, they got together specifically for the daughter's situation, specifically for it. And now we have to understand that nothing had budged in this situation for months, months. And they heard from the, like I said, from the emergency room or the emergency ward saying, we cannot do anything for you right now. And we don't know when because we don't know what's going on. And, and Ray's wife's doctor, I think I said this to you before, her doctor is the head of all the doctors in that part of Alberta. And she said, the system is absolutely broken. It's not, it's not teetering, it's broken. And it's getting more and more so. And, you know, again, I'll say it again, we better start moving our dependencies away from man-made institutions into God-given answers and possibilities. And it's going to take a while to turn that Titanic around because you and I have grown up in it, our parents grew up in it, where, especially in Canada, we are much more uh, uh, an economy and a, a way of running the country that taken care of from the cradle to the grave. 
Um, and we had all these wonderful institutions put up that did a tremendous job, but now they're starting to come apart. And it's really speaking to us because there's people in this church who are in medical situations that the medical system is not available anymore in the way that they need them. So he said, have this soaking prayer and get together and pray about this. So nothing is budged for months. The first Sunday, they pray. Nothing, no great rolling around the floor. Just got together 30, he said, no more than 30 minutes. Prayed specifically for the situation. That Monday, his daughter uh, got in touch and she was 50% better on that Monday. Nothing had moved for, for months. So, and she was good Tuesday and then it started to go downhill again. And it got worse as the week went on. But also on the Monday, after the first Sunday that they, they did soaking prayer, three surgeons called them. Okay, that should be, that should be some reason for someone to do something here. <laughs> like, they have nothing has moved for months. And they do soaking prayer once. And that Monday, three surgeons called them. But the assessments that they needed to do were way out. They were still like months out, right? And she was back into a difficult situation. So back into emergency by the end of the week, she goes. So then they pray again on the second Sunday. And boom, on Monday, she has another good Monday. And, but this time, the assessment got moved up from May to two weeks out. Right? So the third Sunday, they pray again. And she had three good days last, so it would have been this week that just passed. Three good days. So she's getting better, longer, good days. And she was able to connect with the surgeon, and they actually have a date for the surgery now. Right? So what's the, the lesson that we're learning from all of this? Group prayer works. It works. Now, COVID has thrown a glitch into us doing group prayer. And I've been thinking, I said, Lord, how can we do this? We've got to be able to do this. And I said, we can't do it on a weekday because if it's not the service that you normally do a regular service, then the restrictions say only 10 people can come. So he said, we can't do that, but we're going, to, we're going to do it. So after prayer, things have moved in this situation. And what's interesting is that her physical healing came and went. It came and went. And that's something I don't like. I don't like that. But it is a reality that prayer affects it for a while and then it goes back. I don't think we'll ever know why that's like that. You say, God, why don't, sometimes he just heals and the person is just healed. And sometimes it comes and it goes and it comes and it goes. Maybe it's a result of, you know, some kind of spiritual warfare. Uh, the book I read got on mute. Uh, this, I told you the story about his wife. These are solid Christians, 
in charge of an international ministry, and she has these crazy, crazy uh, seizures. And he said, it, like, it's painful, she has to go to the hospital, it's terrible. And it's been for years. And they've prayed, and only twice when they have prayed for those seizures, he said it happened to them twice, and he, sh he wrote about one of them where when they prayed, you could see that it would just go down her hand and leave, and then it would come back up, it would start to, and she'd start to contort, and, and they pray, and it would go right back out her hand, and it left. But it only ever did that twice. The rest of the times, they just pray like mad people, and she maybe has to go to the hospital or whatever. It is a mystery. It's a mystery how it works. But what we do know is that it works to some degree, sometimes fully, sometimes partially, but it ain't over until it's over, right? And we say, well, that doesn't make sense. Like these step prayers, like, you know, like what's going on? Well, Jesus, Mark 8, 24 to 25. Now, the man looked around. Jesus had prayed for this blind guy. You know this story. People at home know the story. But if someone's watching and doesn't know the story, Jesus is praying for a blind person. And he prayed for him. And then he said, the man looked around and yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. This is Jesus. And his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. I don't understand why that had to happen that way. But what we know is that Jesus didn't turn away and say, well, that's not going to work. He did have to do that in Nazareth where he just tried, but nothing would happen because there was so little faith there because they saw him as the person Jesus instead of God Jesus. So everything doesn't necessarily have to happen at once. It doesn't have to happen all at once. You can have step prayers. You can have bits and pieces which are answers to the prayer. I think we have grown up, I certainly have, in a faith, uh, in the sense I came to my faith when I was 20 years old, of, uh, it's just kind of a Pentecostal thing, I think, that we just expect it to bam, happen, and boom, it's done, you're healed, and, and stuff like that. And I love it when that happens, but more than often, it is a case of a more stepped, progressive way of getting healed. Uh, talking about answer to prayer, Zach, a pastor friend of mine, it, it's a wonderful way that God answers prayer in steps. He really wants to see his mechanic come to the Lord. And he was telling this story the other day. And he said, you know, Lord, I want him to come to know you. He said, but I don't know how to really get around to do that. A friend of Zach's, calls him and says, listen, I'm going out west. I have to leave. I'm going quickly. The car we have, it's got a few problems. I don't have time to fix it. I'm just going to get the junkyard to come pick this car up. Can I leave it at your place and, you know, come pick it up, let junk pick it up, and I'll get $200 or something for the car? Zach said, sure, okay. But then he said, you know what? That car is worth more than $200. And then the thought came into his head, call this mechanic guy, so he did, he called the mechanic guy and said, hey, would you like to come and help me fix this guy's car so he can get more than $200 for it? And the guy said, yes. 
So I think it's next week, him and this mechanic are going to get together and fix this car. Now, is that mechanic, did he accept Christ right there? No, but this is an answer of prayer towards that. And we just can't like let go and not pay attention to the step prayers, those bits of progress towards what it is you're praying about. And to not give up on the prayer or lose any sense of God doing something just because we're not seeing the whole thing done at once. Um, it's like when you're playing football. I don't know much about football. Actually, I hate the game. Uh, I don't understand it. And it just seems like craziness to me. But I do know enough about it that they got a ball. I know they have a ball. And the, the deal is to get the ball down the other end. And they have three, is it in Canada, three downs? Yeah. Three downs in Canada. So sometimes you make a little bit of progress, and sometimes you make a lot of progress on those downs. Depends on how you're throwing, catching, and your strategies. So all of a sudden, they got the first down, they throw it, they make a ton of space. They just go a ton of space. You know what that does to the team? Oh, man. We just made, how, how many would be a lot of yards? 50 yards? Something like that? Yeah, 15 or 20 yards. Man, more than 10. Okay, we just made 20, 20 yards. You know what that does to the team? Oh, man. We just, made, we just made 10 yards. We got two more downs here. You know what it does to the opposing team? Oh, no. They just got 20 yards. Oh. And then if you do that again and you get another 15 yards, another 20 yards, the opposing team is out of their mind by this point. Because they're saying they're making real ground here, and you are going, Yahoo, we got a chance at a touchdown in this thing. Prayers like that. We may not be there yet, but we got some stuff happening. We've got some things moving. And like in Ray's situation with his daughter, okay, here's the problem. And it's even three Sundays, three downs, you know? Like, <laughs> I didn't even think of that until now. But it's, they got three downs. And here it is first thing they get. Oh, we get some surgeons, and she has a good day. Second, we actually get them moved up, and she has two good days. Third Sunday, she's got three good days. Now we have an actual appointment for the two surgeries. That's a pretty good football game. That's what you call, and I mean, it's not over yet, uh, but we'll see. And what's interesting also about this is that in God's answer to their prayer for healing, he did two things. He physically touched her, but he also got the surgeons involved. Yes. So, both of them, what was it? Yeah, both of them are breakthroughs, and both of them are the hand that God chose to use in her healing. Now, they're going to do surgery, and she's going to come through it, and she's going to have this, this situation resolved in her life. Don't discard God using the medical system. I know for most of us that is a kind of simple statement, but for some people they're so locked in to the idea that God has to do it that they don't understand that God uses many different things to do it. And you're hobbling around in illness because you are not using all the resources that God has for us. So, this is, this is wonderful, right? I think of, uh, uh, speaking about Tricia again, our ongoing little story that we have, 
you know, she has to find a new place to live. And I talked last week about this wonderful thing. So the first thing, the way it happened, and this is an example of step prayer. We're praying for her to find some place to live. We'd like to say, Lord, give her a place to live. The next day she wakes up, she gets a phone call, and she has a place to live. That would be beautiful. But what's happening is she first feels to go to the Westminster, and there were some things that even made it look like it was a place to go. Goes there, nope, that definitely was not the place to go. When you open the door and there's the bed right there. But there's something more to it than that, and I'll explain this later. But, so that doesn't work out. So next, she decides to phone housing. Housing says, oh great, we have some places available. She gets this wonderful place, well no, she gets this place <laughs> uh, that is available on the time she needs it, and you go, oh my heavens, this is great. You go there for circumstances that are to completely legitimate and understandable. It was not where she was supposed to live. But there was movement. So then she gets a connection with someone with affordable housing. And then affordable housing sends her to this place. And again, it's this whole world of opportunity that's opening up. The first one didn't work, but there's other ones coming. It was happening in steps. Westminster, there, there. It's all steps of a prayer being answered. And so sometimes we can get really frustrated and we think that nothing is happening, but in actuality, we're on our way to, to getting the answer done. So where does that put us? We have in this church um, a, a few situations that people have been really struggling in prayer for, really persevering in prayer for. Some physical stuff, some psychological stuff, just some life stuff. And uh, really struggling with it. And it's been a long time and they're fatigued, tired. I know some are scared. Some are not sleeping because of the situation. And I said, Lord, we need to do something. So not being any kind of a rocket scientist myself, I go, what is God saying? Well, we just spent two weeks, three weeks of mentoring talking about soaking prayer. So I think it would probably be a pretty good idea that maybe God is saying, let's try some soaking prayer. So what I want to do is next week, because we can't do it midweek because we can't have everybody here. Next week, we're going to gather and we're going to do a little bit of, listen to some worship songs, and then we're going to do soaking prayer. What is soaking prayer? Well, soaking prayer is a type of prayer, you know, different people call it different things. But we're going to present, let's say there's five people who really want prayer next week. And we'll have to probably limit it because it could go on longer than would be necessary. But nonetheless, let's say there's five people that want to be prayed for. You let us know what that situation is and we're going to put you in the middle or we're going to do something. And we are going to pray and listen. We're not going to stand up and holler and pray because we're not allowed to do that anyway. But what we're going to do is wait and ask God to give us a picture, a scripture, a word, or something that is going to speak into their situation. And when we do that, we'll give a few moments, however long it will take, 
then I'll do a closing prayer over that person's situation and then we'll go to the next person. I would ask that we come, if possible, if you can do a little bit of fasting, that might be beneficial, but I know some people have a problem with their metabolism and stuff with fasting. But that's what I want to do next week, is bring these situations, have us concertedly pray specifically around that issue for that person. We're a body. We're a body. And we are here for each other. And one of the great powers that we have, which is group prayer and joining together in faith for each other, has really been put on the back burner because of COVID and all the upsets and all the other things. And it's just been very difficult. I thought of doing it on Zoom, but who wants to do it on Zoom? Zoom is just so impersonal. So let's do it here with each other and see what God does. Let's see what he does. Um, all we can do is trust and do the same thing Ray has done and do the same thing people have been doing for 2,000 years. You get together and you pray specifically for. But there's also something very important about us asking for prayer. There's something very important about that because it can put you into, into a situation of vulnerability, of honesty. Some people really don't like telling other people that they have issues or have problems or have needs. They really don't. And, uh, and you know what, to that we say, well, we need to get over that. The woman with the issue of blood, she didn't want people to know either. She really didn't want people to know even though everybody did know. She was ostracized, but she took the chance and brought herself publicly to Jesus and said, here's my issue, I need help. I need you, Jesus. So that's what we'll do uh, next week. And we'll just give God the opportunity to be God and to meet the needs and we'll see what goes on and also next week I want to talk to you about uh, something called the prayer challenge and it's a way of organizing your prayers and keeping record of God answering those prayers uh, which is really kind of encouraging I'm starting to do it and when you start seeing things being answered even a piece of it it creates a certain amount of okay we can something's happening here so Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for what you're doing and what you are saying to us. We thank you that, Father, you are concerned, that you love us, that, Father, you do have answers, you do have possibilities, that, Father God, there is a hope in Christ. And so, Father, we thank you and just ask that you would lead us this week, uh, guide those who would feel to pray or fast uh, for this event next Sunday. But Lord, we present it to you and we give it to you and look forward to what you're going to do with it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, take up an offering. So she did, and I anointed myself with oil, and I stood upon that scripture, and lo and behold, I had a great night, and I woke up in the morning completely free of anything. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be anointing with oil next week too. Uh that's one of the things we'll be doing. And uh you know, it's interesting. Uh I want to share this um uh I had a card for somebody. And uh I took it to 
their to their house. And I'd been to their house a couple of times, uh, two or three times, and I just had this card, and I'd, they'd go to the church, and I'd just written something in it. I just felt to do this, and da-da-da-da-da. I don't know. They live in this place where all the houses look the same, and I just went and rang the doorbell and no answer, and I said, oh, well, they must have I just put it in the slot that goes right through the door, and then I go away and I look, it's not their house. <laughs> I went, oh no. I said, so I phoned them and I said, listen, I had a card for you and I put it in the wrong house. Why? I'd been to their house three, four times. I knew where they lived. Anyway, I said, okay, don't worry. And so they went over and spoke to the person and said, I said, please go over and explain what <laughs> because I think I said Mosaic Church in it. Um, so uh, she goes over. It's, it's amazing, really. Uh, this person uh, is, had been and is suffering terribly and has pretty well been relegated to their house for years because of a medical condition. And come to find out, they're a Christian. And come to find out, when I put that card in there, they really read it and they thought, this is God speaking to them. And she wouldn't give the card back <laughs> to the person who was sent to, so they just took a picture because she felt that God was speaking to her through that card. And she was really, really at a at the end of her ability to endure. And this card shows up. And you know, sometimes you look at a devotional in the morning and it really speaks to you and then the next morning you read it and it's, there's something else that doesn't really speak but somebody else that morning is getting something out of that. It's the, the strange way that God uses things. And I thought, oh, there you go Keith again, what a dumb mistake. But in actuality, you know, it wasn't. It was meant to encourage her, and now this, they know each other, and they're acquainted with each other, and there's a relationship that's been blossomed there, and uh, we're going to pray for this person and their situation, and we're going to see something happen there. But it's, it's interesting the way life goes, eh? And finally, a little thank you. Last night, with all that wet snow, somebody came along and just plowed out my driveway. I don't know who it was. But I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, because it would have frozen in the morning and all the rest of it. So anyway, that's it. Anyone have anything else before? Come on, Ron. Morning, church. Morning. So listen, I was um, listening to Pastor Keith talk about our healthcare institutions and how it's kind of under attack is, is what it came to my mind. Mm. But then I was thinking as well, a church is an institution. Right? Most of our healthcare started from churches and yeah, organizations right. like ours. And so it came to me that our, our churches are under attack. And, you know, we had the pleasure of, of having uh, Pastor Keith at our home, Ruth and I, on Friday. And um, we talked about churches and the state of church and, and how people aren't coming back. And even before COVID, they were struggling. So, mm. um, so I, just, I guess I want to remind us today that um, while we're talking about prayer, to pray for our church, um, not just the people who make up the people in the pews and the people who would attend on, at home, 
but the church in general and, and mm. for our church leadership. I think, um, you know, a lot of churches are struggling with, with finding a pastor who is who's Bible-based and, and, and yeah. a faithful, a faithful mm. person. So I just want to um, encourage us and, and be thankful for, uh, for our leadership, mm. not just with, with uh, Pastor Keith, but those of you that are, are in leadership here at the church. Mm. Ruth and I are new, so we just wanted to, uh, to thank you guys and, uh, and to remind us to pray for, for each other and, and the church as, a, as an institution and certainly for, mm. for Pastor Keith. So uh, thank, thank you, Ron. Thank you. It was so nice to be with uh, Ruth and Ron on Friday. He was in radio. Same as me. We had some great stories. Yeah, some great. Radio. <laughs> That's right. We have faces for radio. That's right. And it, uh, it was so wonderful. I said, wow, you were in radio. And it's so much of our story is, is the same. Like, it's, it's kind of strange. But they have some incredible God stories. Like, I, like, I was there 7 until 9.30 just listening to this incredible, like, things that God has done through their lives and in them. So... I'm really, just know that I'll be calling on you to give some of those stories to come up and just take a Sunday and tell some of the incredible things that God has done for them. And, uh, and they're both fluent in Spanish. Cuba. Spanish. <laughs> I don't know, I'm, not, I'm not trying to tell God what to do, but I'm just a thinking. Um, so uh, it's, it's wonderful. So... Well, I think that's our, our, our day, so have a great week, and God